12. We're going to pick up there where we left off a few weeks ago, several weeks ago actually, uh, and, and just continue through this track through 1 Corinthians. What a, what a wonderful morning, amen? amen? Already just a blessed a bless day. It's been a, it's been a good day, busy day, a lot of moving parts this morning, a lot of things going on uh, for me. And, um, and, and, and just from the time we got here, it's been, it's been rolling and I love it. I love it. I love Sunday morning. I love when we gather together, we worship together. Folks, there's nothing that replaces this right here. I had, I had an amen with a question mark. There was like, I don't know. Is that the wrong answer? Um, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that replaces this. Amen. You know, I've had people talk about the live stream, you know, and the live stream is just not the same. It's not the same. Watching something on, this is what has always got me with the big mega churches today. I'm already on a a sidetrack. The mega churches who, they put the emphasis on the live band and pipe in the preaching. Whether it's a CD or DVD or whatever, you know, if they live stream it from another church. But the emphasis is on how important it is to have the live band. And, and like, boy, you can't do church without that. And we've learned that. We, we, I love this. Don't, I'm not disparaging our praise band at all. I love our worship. I love what Pastor Aaron, his leadership there. I love every, every person that's on that team, the way they work together, the way they lead us in worship. Amen. But the fact is, if they tomorrow, they couldn't be here next Sunday. You know what? We can worship. We can, throw, we can throw some music on. I worship all the time in my vehicle to music that's been recorded. Amen? We worship to that. But we, we got this mentality that, that there's replacements for coming together around the Word of God. And I just don't think there is. I think this is, the Lord made it very clear we're not to forsake this gathering together. And boy, it is a blessing to be here this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to begin right there. The title this morning uh, as we get, begin this long series of 1 Corinthians is Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts. Very creative. I can tell you this is a very, very, very creative title. As you look at verse 1, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts. That's, so I'm, I'm really stretching this morning on the title, but that's what, exactly what we're going to deal with. So this morning we continue our walk through Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. In, chapter, uh, in chapters 12 through 14, Paul has to deal with another issue in the church. Now, man, Paul has had his hands full, huh? As, we, as we've, the, the whole book is a book of problems. It's a whole book of this church that Paul established there in Corinth. He established it. He taught them. He trained them. He, and, he, and he's left them. He's gone on. But he's getting letters back and he's seeing all the problems they had. And he's dealing with those issues, with those problems again and again and again and again. He's having to deal with them. I think Paul would feel right at home in most modern day Baptist churches. Amen. All right. Do I need to, do we need jumping jacks this morning? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've shared before, sometimes I, I like a little feedback. It helps me, okay, because I'm like, I don't know if they're even listening this morning. Do you like to do our kids over here? I go, eyeballs. Anybody know that? You, when I say eyeballs, you say click. Eyeballs. Click. Eyeballs. Click. All right, now you're engaged. All right, here we go. So 
we, we come to this point in the letter now, there's a new problem. So what's this next problem Paul's got to deal with? So the church was divided over spiritual gifts. And, and one in particular, one that he's going to really focus on, but folks, whether it's one in particular or anyone in particular, we've got to understand there can be a problem when we start talking about spiritual gifts and the way we approach that. And the problem they were having dealt with the speaking in tongues, okay? So there were those in the church who had the gift. They had the gift of speaking in tongues, and they thought themselves to be spiritually superior Christians. They were super saints, if you will, because they had the gift of tongues. It ain't much change in 2,000 years, folks. Let me just tell you, because that's a lot of what we see today, and we'll, we'll explain that as we go on. So before Paul addresses this issue, he first deals with the larger topic of spiritual gifts in general. Here in chapter 12, first thing we're going to see is he deals with the bestowal of gifts. Where do they come from? How do we get them? Where does all that, what, what, what's, the, what's the word on that about where they come from and how we get those? Then we're going to see that chapter 12 through 14, it gives us an extended discussion of spiritual gifts, and it's the most extensive discussion that's found in all of Scripture. So we're going to use this over the next three, maybe four weeks to really dig in here and understand spiritual gifts and how they work in the church, what it means for the church, and, 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 and what that means for us individually. So let's begin. Point number one this morning is this. It's the true, if you're making notes, it would be the true profession of faith in Christ. We're looking at the true profession of faith in Christ. And we're going to look at verses one through three. Verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. Now, word Gentiles there is, uh, we understand Gentiles, but there's also a meaning in that word which means pagan or heathen. They're pagan. These people, these Corinthians, they were pagan. They were following false gods. They were, they were worshiping false. They were heathen in their, in their beliefs. And they, they, uh, you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. Verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, but before their conversion, these Corinthians, they had no idea of the gospel. They didn't understand the gospel. They didn't know the gospel. They didn't know the good news. We understand today, we say gospel, and we talk about the gospel, we're talking about the good news. What is the good news? The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that good news? It's good news because we were lost in our sins. We were hopelessly lost. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. There was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. And in that, God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his only son, and Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. Folks, it's important that Jesus was born of a virgin because if he was not born of a virgin, he was not God, and he cannot save us. Jesus then thusly lived a sinless life. Folks, it's important that Jesus lived a sinless life. If he did not live a sinless life, he was not God, and he cannot save us. And, it's, and so he died on the cross. He died in our place. He shed his sinless blood for us. He died in our stead. He paid the penalty, and he died on that cross. He was buried, and he rose again. And that's the ultimate. Folks, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, he was not God, and his body is still in a tomb somewhere. His bones have rotted away, and, and, and he cannot save us. But we know that Jesus did rise from the dead. And with that, he did prove that he is God's son, that he is God in flesh, and he could do what he said he would do. 
And so by us placing our faith in what Jesus did for us, placing our faith in him, coming to that understanding, repentance, turning from us, our way, our wisdom, our thinking, whatever it is we think is going to get us there, and acknowledging that ain't going to do it. The only way is when we turn this change of mind and we turn to Christ and we acknowledge ourselves a sinner before a holy God. We confess that sin and call on the name of Jesus for salvation. That's how we're born again. They knew nothing of this. They were raised in that pagan worship. Verse 2 says they were carried away. And that word carried away there, it suggests satanic power. And there's satanic power behind every form of idolatry. Behind every idol, there is Satanism. There is satanic power in that. Some would ask this question. How could someone be pulled away, how can a dumb idol, we're talking about dumb, it doesn't speak, it doesn't hear, it's just a wood carving, if that's our idol, whatever it is, how can that lead me astray? How can that pull me away? Well, let me ask you a question. Can money be an idol? Has money ever led anyone astray? Amen, I rest my case. (laughs) Idols can lead us astray. And behind every idol, whatever it is, folks, that we, it can be a good thing. Behind anything that we make an idol in our life, there is satanic work in that to pull us away from God. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 20 says, Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Paul made it very clear, look, this, it's not innocent what you're doing. It's not like, you know, these offerings that you're making to these idols is a simple thing. You, when you offer to an idol, you're making a sacrifice to demons. Paul would say, you need to stay away from there. There's terrible demonic power working in every idolatrous system, and nothing can deliver from this power but the blood of Jesus through the gospel of his grace. Amen? So our mission, Scripture tells us, and we know our mission, we know it comes from Scripture, but another verse of that, Mark 16, 15, tells us our mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, amen? Now, creature is not talking about frogs and, and deer and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's us, it's people, it's mankind. Every living person, we're to preach the gospel. Now, it doesn't say here to go into all the world and antagonize. Amen? Look, there's a lot of people, it's this thing of contending for the faith, and some people just like to contend. They want to be contentious. We don't have to go be antagonistic about someone else's faith. We don't have to go find fault with other religions and beliefs. We are to go and preach Christ and Him crucified. That's what we're to do. Just reveal truth. You don't have to expose the lies. Reveal truth. Reveal the truth. That's what we're to do. And as the gospel is preached, to, uh, to, it delivers people from the satanic power that is working in these false religious belief systems. Stop trying to correct others and just preach Christ. Amen? Well, we can be a lot more effective because a lot of times we put up walls and we, start, we want to start criticizing what someone else believes instead of just speaking the truth. Just give them the truth, folks. Let the, let the truth through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God convict them and bring them to faith and understanding. You know, it's not your job to convince them and talk them into believing something. Let the Word of God do that. Even before they became Christians, some had experienced 
uh, these, these ecstatic utterances. Okay, so when you start, start talking about uh, the gift of tongues, and, and, and some would say that well, that's, a, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit within you. Folks, these people were in idolatry. And some of the idolatrous practices of that day, they would have gone into trances as they were sacrificing. They would have gone into, into things where they were inviting demonic presences in their life. And they would have experienced these times of going into ecstasy and, and uttering things. They had no idea what they were saying. So it, it, it was a phenomenon that was part of their former worship of idols at that time. It certainly wasn't an indication of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if they're doing that, if they've got these utterings going on, these unknown things that they're saying, it was not an indication the Holy Spirit was in their life, that that was the thing. So what indicates the presence of the Holy Spirit in one's life? Speaking in tongues? Well, certainly not. They'd been doing that before they were saved. Some today say that they've spoken in tongues. And, and I've had some of these conversations and I, I, I've asked people, you know, what did you say? And they say, well, I don't rightly know. And then, you know, what I'd say to that is, you know, you could have cursed Jesus for all you knew. You could have cursed Jesus. No one can sincerely say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit leads them. Now understand what that verse is saying. That verse is not saying that someone can't, that, that someone, if they say Jesus is Lord, if they utter that, that they're saved. That's not what that means. But it's saying that you cannot say that sincerely meaning that if, if the Holy Spirit of God is not indwelling you. You can't say that with sincerity. You can't say it with truth in the words you speak. So what is Paul's point here? Evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence and activity in one's life is not speaking in tongues, but it is a clear confession and firm commitment to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's... That's when we can say there's evidence of Christ in your life. When there is a clear confession of our faith. I had this conversation with the chambers this week as we, as we prepared for, for this. And to, to, un, to understand what they understand. To, and they have a clear confession now of their faith in Christ. It's a clear confession. And a firm commitment to living for Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to crown and exalt Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen? That's His job. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He always points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not here to get glory for Himself. Hey, see the gifts of me? See the, the workings of me? No, He points to Christ always. And when He's in our life, that's what He exalts us to do, is to exalt and to crown Christ as Lord in our lives. So evidence of salvation is not a gift from the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit himself. It's the Holy Spirit himself that indwells us. That's evidence of salvation. If the Holy Spirit does not indwell you, you're not a child of God. You haven't been born again if the Holy Spirit is not within you. Because at the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in our life. Uh, so he is the evidence of our salvation. Not a gift that he might give. Not a counterfeit of a gift he might give, but it is him. So is Jesus truly Lord of your life? That's a question you need to ask this morning. Is Jesus Lord of my life? Or is he just as some bumper stickers used to say, uh, you know, Jesus is my co-pilot. Folks, if he's your co-pilot, you're in trouble. Because the wrong person's steering the plane. You're, you're heading the wrong direction. And, and you're still hopeless because if he ain't in the pilot seat, you, you, the, the wrong person's piloting the plane. Jesus needs to be the pilot. And folks, if you have not come to a place where Jesus is Lord of your life, Jesus is not 
uh, he's not a uh, condiment. Jesus is not a seasoning. He's not just sprinkle a little Jesus in to make life better. No, life is Jesus. Life is Jesus. And if you don't have him, if he's not Lord of your life, then you need to reevaluate that because he needs to be Lord of your life, Savior and Lord. Number two, we see the provision then of the Holy Spirit, the provision of the Holy Spirit, verses four through six. Notice that, that we have each member of the Trinity involved with the giving of gifts. And we often think about, well, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. And, and, and correctly, we, we, we see that in Scripture. But once you see right here, we see that the whole Godhead, the whole Trinity is involved. Verse 4, there are, different, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Speaking of Jesus Christ. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God, God the Father, who works all in all. So the Trinity is at work together. As, as in everything else that, that goes on, the Trinity is involved. And the Trinity is involved in the giving of, of these gifts. So there are different kinds of gifts. Letter A here would be gifts in verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, when we talk about diversities, there is the uniqueness of each Christian in the work God has called him or her to do. There are diversities. There is different. Every believer has a different call on their life. God's going to use each one of you. If you're truly born again, you, he's got a specific plan for you. Okay, so there's there's a uniqueness for each Christian, these diversities, but it is the same spirit. So there's the unity of spirit with which the Christian carries out that work. So it's not me doing what I want to do and then asking God to bless it. It is that we we do what God tells us to do. We, we have a job that he's given us, this diversity of gifts in what he gives to each one of us, but it is the same spirit. There's unity in that. So God distributes a variety of gifts to the church. If we talk about the spiritual gifts that, that God gives it, with, within our congregation here, I would, I would venture to guess that almost all, if not all, of those gifts are represented in our congregation. At some place, somebody, there, there's going to be a representation of that. Somewhere in here. So then we talk about the word gifts there. And it comes from the word charismata. That's the word there. And it means a spiritual, it's an endowment, but it's, an, it's a spiritual endowment. So an endowment is not something I've earned. It's not something that is a reward for my good behavior or my extensive prayer life. It is something God has decided to give me. He has blessed me with that. So these gifts are spiritual endowments. And there are at least 21 that are mentioned. It's, it's interesting as you read different things. Some will list seven, some will list nine, some will list 16, others 20, 21. There, there's, there's, there's not exact... Uh, unity in, in what people, some would say this is a gift, but this isn't. Um, there's at least 21 mentioned in the New Testament, I would say. And I would say this, that there may be more that we're not even aware of. There's nothing that tells us God had to reveal to us every gift that, that he might give us. So there could be gifts that he gives us that we're not even aware are spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit manifests himself through the body of Christ, the church, in different ways. Now, we do not all have the same gift. Okay, you got that? We don't all have the same gift. Uh, we're we're going to look at them in a little bit. Let's just go back. Let's, go, let's, let's say uh, the gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge. That's one of the gifts. Not everyone in here is going to receive that gift. No one person has every gift. So if there's 21 gifts, you, you know, it, it, boy, wouldn't that be something? Talk about pride. You're talking about something Paul would have to deal with. Hey, how many gifts you got? John, how many you got? 
I had 18 last week. I got 21 now. You got 19. I got 20. Yeah, I'm more spiritual. I mean, that's not how that works. Okay, so no one, no one person has every gift. Not, no one gift is possessed by every person. And uh, they, are, they are gifts. They're not rewards. Okay, so we, we grow as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We grow in, in fruit, right? We grow in the fruit of the Spirit, not, not the fruits of the Spirit. It's not we get this one and then you get that one. As you grow, they're all, they all come. Well, I'm not good in that area right there. No, we're, we're responsible all, but we grow in those areas. That's, this is different from the fruit of the Spirit. This is, this is not a reward. This is not something, this is what God gives us. He gives us. He decides what he gives us. He decides who he gives it to, and he decides where he uses them. So they're not earned. We're not, uh, you think about it, we're not constructed alike even from the physical standpoint, right? We're not constructed uh, alike in the intellectual standpoint. I mean, some people are really, really smart, and then there's people like me. So we're not all the same. Some people are really tall, really strong, really fast, and then there's me. So, I mean, we're not all the same. We're, we're different. We understand that, and it's the same way in the spiritual. God does gives different gifts to different people for different purposes because he has a plan of what he's going to do. And when it comes to spiritual things, do we do not have all, all have the same ministry committed to us. Not everyone in this church is going to be the pastor. Not everyone in this church is going to be an elder. Not everyone in this church is going to teach a Sunday school class. Not everyone in this church will be a greeter. Not everyone in this church will be working on the grounds. Not everyone in this church will be a deacon. Everyone has their place, and God determines that. So some today highlight one or more of the gifts of God and encourage all to seek it. Now, y'all know what I'm speaking of. I mean, today we still see this in circles where the gift of tongues, it's the same problem we fight. We, 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 struggle. we don't fight with it. We don't struggle with it. We have an understanding of that in this church. But there are churches who, who, who still follow that way. And there are those who would encourage all to seek it as though it is something they could achieve. Something they could acquire. That's not what the scripture says. The Holy Spirit determines who receives the gifts. Amen. And if everyone isn't to receive every gift, then why would someone say everyone has to do that? Okay. But there are those who say that you have to to receive that gift and then go as far as to say that if you don't have that gift, that you don't even have the Holy Spirit indwelling you at all. I'll give you an illustration. When I was in high school, I was a junior and there was a kid that sat in I don't know, one of the math classes, and he sat right here to my right, and his name was Steve. And Steve was 17, and he looked 40. He did, he did. And I'll tell you why he looked 40, because he was tormented. Steve uh, believed, uh, the church he went to taught that you had to you know, confess your sin and call on the name of the Lord and, and, and to be saved. And, it didn't end there, and you had to be baptized. Now, folks, we don't tie baptism. Baptism is something you should do. You need to be baptized. You need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. If you're a believer and you've not been baptized, I encourage you, pray about that, and let's get that right. You need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. But baptism does not save you. You can get baptized every day from now until the Lord comes back. It ain't going to change. It ain't going to save you. It does not save you. We're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, it is Christ alone. We're saved by grace alone, through Christ alone, through faith alone. Amen? It is faith in Christ. That's how we're saved. It's not the baptism. But they believed you had to be baptized. But then on top of that, you could be baptized. You still don't know you're going to heaven until you speak in tongues. Because then when you spoke in tongues, it was confirmation that you had the Holy Spirit of God in you. That was confirmation. And so my buddy Steve, his problem was 
He was tormented with that. Steve was very sincere in his faith. And he was seeking tongues. But he had not spoken tongues. Steve wasn't trying to do some gibberish and just put on a show for somebody. Steve was genuinely speak, seeking to speak in tongues. And he had not. And that's why, I, that's why he looked 40. He was tormented. He thought, I'm lost. I'm not saved. And, and I wasn't at any point a spiritual giant at that point. I'm not a spiritual giant now, but I certainly wasn't at 17 in high school. And I'd try to talk with him, but I didn't know enough to... Re- but, I, but I could tell him enough to know that's not, that's not what the Bible teaches. But he, they really looked in one book, the book of Acts, and kind of lived through that book. Um, that's a struggle. And it's counter to Scripture. So Paul tells us there are different gifts given by the same Spirit. Then there are different kinds of service. So letter B would be service, verse 5. There are different uh, differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And that word ministries there, so there's differences of ministries. Uh, it may be translated, some of your Bibles may translate that administrations. But here's what the, the Greek word is, okay? See if you know this word. See if it sounds familiar. The word there for ministries is diakonia. Anybody? Anybody? Deacon. Diakonos. It comes from the word diakonos, which we transliterate into the word deacon. And the word means servant. It means attendance as a servant. Service, especially of the Christian teacher or technically of the diaconate. So it's, there are differences of ministries. There are differences of service. It means we're not all going to do the same thing. God puts different people with different gifts in different places. There are many ways to serve, but only one Lord to be served. The Holy Spirit gives the gift. We're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to use the gifts given by God directly under the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The Holy Spirit is God, but we're to be under the Lordship of Jesus. And so I'll say this. um, When we have a gift, you, you know, we can actually use a gift that's not in line with what God would have us do. Uh, I could think of some examples, but let me say it this way. You know, I'm not to use my gift when I see fit, as I see fit, but under the absolute authority and guidance of the Lord. Okay? To do that, I must be walking close to Him, listening to His voice, and submitted to Him. So, Pastor, what would be some ways that we could misuse our gift? Well, let's say I'm high in mercy, that my gift is, is mercy, I'm highly compassionate. You know, if the Lord gives you, if he prompts you to to use the gift of mercy in someone's life, that's of the Lord, right? But do you understand there are times where God is doing something in someone's life, and if the Lord hasn't told me to go and show mercy on that person, and I go and show mercy on that person, I may be actually working counter to what he's working in their life. Does that make sense? I mean, it's the truth. Maybe maybe my, my gift is prophecy. And boy, prophecy people are the ones that go to the hospital. The mercy person goes to the hospital. Oh, it's so terrible. You fell out of the tree and broke your leg. The prophecy person goes in and goes, what an idiot. Don't you know if you climb the tree with nothing, nobody's holding the ladder. I mean, you're going to fall and break your leg. You got what you deserve. So look, we have to be careful because if someone's got the gift, the prophet, they'll speak, they'll speak truth. They just speak it. You can speak that in your flesh. You can use that gift in your flesh, and that's not of God. So our gifts, whatever it is, whatever ministry it is, we need to be, it needs to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, to His Lordship. Amen? All right, and then there are different kinds of working. Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities. 
but it is the same God who works all in all. And that word activities comes from the Greek word inner, uh, inner gima, inner gima. Any, any idea what that word might mean? Inner gima. Energy. Brent, energy, energima, energy, and, and it's, a, it's an effect, it's an operation, it's a working. So it, it's God's strength at work in us through our gifts. So we see right here, God, God, the Holy Spirit, the three are working together. The Holy Spirit decides what gifts he's going to give us. He gives us those gifts. He endow those gifts to us. And then as we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and we're submitted to his lordship, the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ work and they empower us to do, to do those things. As we as we're submit that and use that gift in the ministry that he's called us to. And then it is the Father, Father, the, the God the Father who empowers us, who, who, who gives us the the energy and the strength to do what it is he's called us to do and empowered us to do and gifted us to do. So you see how that works? He gives us the gift. He gives us the ministry. And then he gives us the strength to do what it is he's called us to do. Pretty cool, isn't it? When we don't have to rest on us. We don't have to rest on me. It it shouldn't be, well, I want to figure out what I want to do for the Lord. How about we figure out what it is the Lord wants us to do for the Lord? That's what we pursue. God, what do you want me to do? It is, it is, so like I said, the Holy Spirit bestows different gifts upon different members to be used in different ministries, all empowered by God the Father that works all in all. It's He who empowers and He works all in all. Now we come to verse seven here and we're going to look at point three. The, the title of the, that point three would be the purpose of spiritual gifts, verses seven through 11. Verse 7, we're going to look at here, letter A would be the purpose. The purpose. What is the purpose of gifts? And we see this in verse 7. He makes it very clear that the purpose is, number, verse 7, says, but the manifestation of the Spirit. Again, the Spirit of God indwells us. The Spirit of God gives us gifts. And so the manifestation of the Spirit of God indwelling us is that He works then through the gift that He's given us. So the manifestation, the working, the showing of the gift that He's given us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That's the purpose of gifts. The gifts He gives us is for the profit of all. It's not for my profit. The manifestation of the Spirit of God is not given for show, that man may attract attention to himself. It's not given for dough that man may attain great wealth for himself, but for the edification of others. And folks, show and dough have been two of the things people have abused. This thing of spiritual gifting in the, in the realm of Christian ministry and the TV evangelists and the faith healers and the charlatans and snake oil salesmen that are out there exploiting this scripture, I would not want to stand before God when they've used God and the spirits of God in lies and manipulation for their, for their own profit and gain. I wouldn't want to be in that person's shoes. If God gives me any gift at all, he gives it not that I may gather people about myself, but he gives it to me for the blessing of others, for the salvation of sinners, and for the edification of saints. It is not about me. The gift that God has given me or the gifts that God has given me is not about me. It is about him 
and it is about building up others, edifying saints, seeing lost people come to, to faith. But it is a, for the profit of all. John the Baptist, he modeled this. He understood this. John, in, in chapter 1, verse 23 of John, John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He was pointing to Christ. He also said in John chapter 3, verse 30, he said that he must increase, speaking of Jesus, but I must decrease. That was John the Baptist. He didn't want the attention. He didn't want the, there were crowds coming around, but John said, this isn't about me. This is about him. This is about Jesus. He is to increase. I'm to decrease. John found his delight in lifting up Christ, not himself. All gifts are given that Christ may be exalted. Every gift that we have is that we can exalt Christ in the use of that gift. The Corinthians were using their gifts to honor themselves instead of God or others. Now, my gift is not to build me up, but to build up his church. That's the purpose of the gifts he gives. Letter B would be the gifts of God. Verses 8 through 10, we see here a listing of the gifts of God. And I'm going to, you know, I don't have a whole lot, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed this part up a little bit. I'm not going to go in a lot of depth on some of these. A couple of them I want to highlight. But let's look at verse 8. For, it is, for, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another... The word of knowledge through the Spirit. And we even see it right here. There are different gifts given to different people. Okay, So a word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is the supernatural understanding of some type of truth. While the word of wisdom uses knowledge for its proper end. And that's the furtherance of God's kingdom. Now understand, there is a... There, is, there are people who have knowledge. There are people who are really smart. This is not about intellect. This is not about, you know, boy, you're a genius. This is beyond whether someone's genius or not. It's beyond their biblical intellect. This is a gift from God. If you have a word of knowledge, it is, it is a gift that God has given to understand Scripture in an amazing way. There's a young man in our church uh, I, that I think probably has this gift. I think if Ben, if Ben doesn't have, Ben all doesn't have this gift, I don't know what his gift is. But he has a special, he has a special ability and a gift that God has given him. It's a passion and a desire for the Word of God and understanding it in deep ways. That kid right there probably knows more Bible than I do. I mean, he's just a, he's a, he's a brilliant mind. But it's not that he's this, 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 oh, he's just a genius. He may be, but he's gifted in that way. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not trying to embarrass you, Ben, but I see that. I see that gift of knowledge. He hungers for the Word of God. He devours it. He, he, he's, he's studying it. He wants to understand it. And God has given him that gift of a Word of knowledge. Now, you can have a Word of knowledge and not have the wisdom to use it. And these two kind of go together, this Word of knowledge and, and, and a Word of wisdom. You know, sometimes we, we open our mouths with a lack of wisdom. We, we can have knowledge and not know how to use it, but God gives us wisdom, and that's where this gift of the, the word of wisdom is to use the word of knowledge in the, in the proper way, okay? And, and the, the proper way is this for the furtherance of God's kingdom. Now, there's some times that, you know, I, I can tell you, I don't know I have the word of wisdom because sometimes I don't always say the right thing. And, and I say things, and I go, man, why did I say that? You want why did, why, how'd that come out of my mouth in front of 150 people? But it, but it happens, okay? Um, you you want to have knowledge and wisdom working together. But even sometimes with knowledge and wisdom, it just doesn't work because sometimes I'm going to say something and it's going to make somebody mad. And here's the thing about that. Sometimes I may or may not have wisdom, all right? Sometimes people are just going to be mad. Do you realize that? 
Sometimes people are just going to be mad. It's like the, the older lady that was going out of the church and somebody asked her about the message and she was commenting about the sermon and she said, you know, he read the whole sermon and he didn't read it very well. And it wasn't worth reading anyway. It wasn't worth reading. So, you know, that's how some people are. No matter what you say, it doesn't matter how you say it, they're just not going to like it. Some people are just going to be that way. Sometimes people need to change their heart. Because it might be like the person that went out and said, you know, I don't like to hear you preach. Because every time I hear you preach, you rub me the wrong way. <laughs> and, and here's the deal, Henry, since you bring it up. Maybe, Henry, maybe the reason it's rubbing you the wrong way is you need to turn around and go the other direction. You need to go the other direction. So you're heading in the wrong direction. That's why you're getting rubbed the wrong way. All right. So... Um, you just got to turn around. So listen, uh, word, of, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Those are two of the gifts. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. And this is obviously not the faith that, that, by which we are saved. Okay, when we're talking about this gift of faith, it's not talking about salvation. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Folks, if you're sitting in here this morning, open your heart as you hear the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit of God work on you. Let the Word, Holy Spirit of God speak to you and you respond to Him as He speaks to you. Don't close yourself off to what God's doing. As you hear the Word of God, I'm convinced in my heart as the Word of God is preached, the Holy Spirit of God is at work. Now, are you going to listen or are you going to reject? Are you going to respond or are you going to be obstinate? You can put your hand up and you can push God away if you want to. 2 Thessalonians 3, 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for, not, for all men have not faith. We understand that. Not everyone's going to come to faith. The reason is because some men turn from the word of God, but here God gives to his own people, the gift of faith. And this refers to special faith for special service. So we're talking about the gift of faith, the spiritual gift of faith. I'll give you a couple of examples here. How many of you have heard the name George Mueller? You know the name George Mueller? Okay, so George Mueller had these British orphan houses. All right, so here's what happened. God called him, his testimony is God called him to open an orphanage to care for homeless boys and girls. And George Mueller didn't have a lot of money. In fact, I, don't, I think it kind of said he didn't have any money. But he spent what he had, and he, and he fixed his house, whatever he, he could do, to open a home for these boys and girls. And he brought some in. And a little money came in. So he expanded, and he brought some more in, and some more money came in. George Mueller never asked for money for the orphanage. Never asked. Think about that. Never asked for money for the orphanage. And over, uh, over the, the um, 50 years of the ministry, he received $6.5 million. And he never asked for a penny. Now, some people have taking the approach that, you know, I'm going to do ministry like George Mueller did ministry. I'm going to do what George Mueller did. And they failed miserably. And they, I'm going to tell you why they failed miserably. Because they tried to do George Mueller's work without George Mueller's gift of faith. Amen? Yes. Amen? Okay. So when God calls someone to do a certain work, he gives that person the gift of faith for that work. Hudson Taylor founded China Inland Mission he knew as he set out for that that he was not to ask for money but to trust the Lord. Now again, this is what the Lord led him to do. That for whatever reason, God put it on his heart that he was not to ask for money. And uh, you know what? God funded his ministry. 
And again, others who've tried and said, I'm going to do ministry like Hudson Taylor did ministry. I'm not going to ask for a penny. I'm not going to ask anyone to support the work that I'm doing. And they failed miserably. And, and the reason they failed miserably is that, again, they tried to do what Hudson Taylor did, but they tried to do Hudson Taylor's work without Hudson Taylor's gift of faith. The gift of faith is a special gift for special work. And if God tells you to have faith, to do a certain thing, then have faith and do that thing, and he'll take care of the rest. Gina and I have experienced this. Remember when we left Charlotte, North Carolina, and she's... She's at that point about five months, four months pregnant probably. And uh, we left, we left I felt convinced that the Lord told us to leave that job up there without a safety net. And uh, people said, you're crazy. And I said, you might be right. And uh, we moved back to Georgia. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. And I got a pregnant wife. And God took care of everything. But it was, I, I, I don't advise people to do that. I've had people say, well, you, you did, you, what if I did, the, what if I did? I said, well, if God tells you to do that, then by all means, do that. But don't you do what somebody else did because you want to do what they did. You do what God tells you to do. You walk in your faith. And when he tells you to do something and you do it, he'll give you the faith for that work. He'll take care of it. Uh, to another, he gives gifts of, uh, uh, to another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. Now, the gift of healing is the ability to lay one's hand upon the sick in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and call them back to life or to health. I don't know if, uh, if anyone has that gift today. I don't know if anyone has it. There are some who, who self-promote having this gift, but they're ruthless, greedy, documented liars who exploit the people of God for gain. There's been a lot of that. We've seen that. Um, now, I have seen this. We, we, we had a situation... 20, 20, 21, 22 years ago, probably now, uh, where we took 100 men from our prayer band group in Georgia, and we went over to, it was a man named Jackie Whitfield. Jackie had terminal cancer. He had weeks to live, and he called and asked if we would come and, as a group and pray for him. And we went over to his house. We had 100 men. I'll never forget, his living room was packed full. We had windows open, and people were hanging in the windows from outside. 100 men in this man's house, and we prayed for his healing. Ten years later, Jackie was still playing uh, guitar, playing electric guitar in the, in the worship band at church. Ten years later. And Jackie died about 12, about 10 years ago now, Jackie died. And cancer, he finally got. But, but ten years. Now, I don't, I've never felt like any one of us in that group had the gift of healing. But does that mean God can't heal? Nope. God can heal whoever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants. Amen. That's, that's God's doing. And if God wants to put it on someone and, and he lays it on you to lay your hands on somebody and pray for their healing and God heals them, then praise God for that. But I don't, I don't know anyone today who has that gift. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. God gives a certain servant, certain servants the ability to work miracles. A miracle is anything that is not accounted for by, by mere natural law. I mean, we think of a miracle. The walls of Jericho fall down. We see the red the Red Sea is parted. We see the Jordan River is parted a couple of times where that happens. We see these miracles where the lame, someone who's never walked in his life, the Lord touched and healed them and they walked. They gave sight. He made eyes. I'm convinced when he spit in the clay and made the clay of his spittle and rubbed it on the man's eyes, I'm convinced he made him eyes. I don't think the man had eyes. I think he made eyes and he healed and gave him sight. 
That's, that's against natural law. We think about Elijah on the Mount Carmel when he, when he called down fire and then he called down rain. And we say, where, where do we see those today? Well, there's stories of missionary. There was a missionary in Africa who they were going through a terrible drought and then the natives there, they'd cried and cried out to their false gods and it had no relief to come. There had been no rain. I mean, it's just a dire situation. And the missionary felt led of the Lord. This wasn't just something on his own heart. He felt led of the Lord to, to bring them all together. And this is what he said to them. He said, now I'm going to cry to the God of heaven to give rain. And he stood before them and he offered a prayer. And as he began to pray, there was a cloudless sky above him. But, as he, but he hadn't finished with his prayer before there was a terrible clap of thunder. And as he continued to pray, the thunder and lightning continued to build. And in half an hour, the rain was pouring down. Now that's a miracle. That's a miracle of God. God used a, a person to bring this miracle. To another prophecy, in the New Testament sense, prophecy is not the foretelling of future events, but prophecy is preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's the modern day Prophecy. A prophet is someone who's preaching the word of God. To another, discerning of spirits. That's the ability to see through people. To another, different kinds of tongues. Now, let's talk about this one a little bit. So the gift of tongues is not the nonsense we see in some churches today. It was the ability to preach the gospel in languages that people had never learned. Okay, gift of tongues has never, ever been unknown gibberish. Never. The gift of tongues is a gift of language. So as they came together, you remember when Pentecost came and they were preaching and all heard in their own language. Almost sounds like a gift of hearing as much as a gift of tongues. That they all heard when he spoke, they heard in their own language. And uh, so the preaching, uh, the preacher was able in the power of the Holy Spirit to stand up and preach in the language of the people without having learned the language. Now, those that, I know there's a lot of new tribes folks here, y'all would love, y'all would love that gift in the field, wouldn't you? Lord, give me the gift of the Moy people. I know the Crockett's 20 years they've worked on learning that language, being able to create the, 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 the written language, and then to translate the Bible into that language. 20-year process. They would have loved to have gone in and had the gift of tongues. God, I'm not saying God doesn't use this gift anymore. But the gibberish that's going on in some churches, that's not the gift of tongues. That's not the gift of tongues. I, I, be careful what I say. That's not the gift of tongues, scriptural gift of tongues. But there are some stories that, that blow my mind. So there was an evangelist in, uh, in Georgia, and there were some folks, I never heard him, but there were some folks who knew him well. And his story was that he had done these evangelistic crusades in Mexico and had quite a following. But he spoke no Spanish whatsoever. So he had a, a, a translator who was always with him, someone he trusted, someone he knew could speak the things he was saying and not pollute what he was saying. And so he goes down to do this huge crusade. Huge crowds of people are there. And uh, he, his translator, something happens, and his translator could not be there. Either he was deathly sick or something happened, but he could not physically be there to help him. And this evangelist was burdened. He said, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
I mean, I've got all these people here. I can't just trust someone to stand up and, and speak and trust that they're saying what he didn't have that confidence that. So what he did was he prayed to God for help. He said, Lord, you've got to show me what to do in this situation. These people are here to hear the word of God. They need to hear the word of God. There are people you're going to save today, Lord, but what are we going to do? And his testimony is that he received the gift of Spanish and that he had never studied Spanish. He knew very little Spanish from that day forward. He was fluent in Spanish and he stood that day and he preached his message in Spanish himself. Do I believe that? Yeah, I do. I absolutely believe if that's what God wants to do, he can do that. Amen. To another, the interpretation of languages. Now, again, you know, this is one of the things I think always kind of flustered me when I was thinking about tongues. You think, well, if someone's speaking tongues and someone stands up and they give an interpretation for gibberish, then that, what does that mean? What does that mean? No, that's not what they're doing. They're not standing up and giving interpretation for gibberish. Just like someone, like God gives the spirit where I could speak a language I'd never learned. Maybe there's someone here who doesn't speak English and God gave me that for them to hear. In the same way, he gives people the ability to interpret a language that they had never learned. They could hear it. Maybe they couldn't even speak it, but they could hear it and go, well, this is what he's saying. I, I hear it clearly. Can I tell you a story? So in our church in Georgia, a uh, big church, I didn't wait for an answer. I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> so in our church in Georgia, I don't know if, if Gina would remember this, but we had a guy on our staff. He was, he was a young guy. He was kind of a, um, he was naive maybe. Maybe that's the right word. Very innocent guy. Uh, and, and he was doing our recreation ministry. It's a big church. We had a lot of people that were from Pentecostal background. We had a lot of people that would, would have leaned that way. They didn't do that in our church. We're a Baptist church. We didn't have that. But we had a lot of people that would have, would have probably been comfortable with that. And uh, there was a lady who we knew was from that background, and she was one to talk about her gift of tongues and speaking in tongues. And Colt is this young man's name, and Colt is sitting there, and in one of the services, this lady stands up, and she has a word from the Lord, which is always puts you on, uh, you get a little uneasy. But she has a word from the Lord that she just has to share. And she begins to talk. She says what she has to say, and she sits down. Well, we don't know what's going on, but the next day or two when we're in staff meeting, Colt says, as she started talking, I knew she was speaking in tongues, and I understood her. And I was going to have to give up and get up and give an interpretation. So you, you, you get what happened, right? She's speaking in English. She's just talking, but he hears it thinking, well, she's, she's the real charismatic woman. She's speaking in tongues. And I understand her. And he's like, I'm going to have to stand up and tell what she just told. So he's, he's in a panic. You can understand that. So there's where confusion comes in in church. All right, C. And we're almost done here. Um, C. So verse 11, and we're going to look here. This is God's will. Verse 11 says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, not as you will, not as someone else wills. I can't speak into someone's life and tell them you have this gift. Um, I, I can say maybe I see this in your life, but, but there, there's uh, the, the God wills. It is God. It is one and the same spirit who works all these things, distributing to each one 
individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit endowed them, speaking of the Corinthians, endowed them to exalt him. That was the purpose of gifts. It was for his exaltation and it was for the good of all, for the good of the body of Christ, for strengthening the body of Christ, for the body of Christ to grow. Amen? And so it's the same with us today, the Holy Spirit of God. And so if you're a believer, look, if you're a believer and, and if you are a believer, you have a spiritual gift. You may have more than one spiritual gift, but there is no room for pride or boasting when it comes to the gifts we've received from the Lord. They're gifts from the Lord, and we are to rejoice in Him and to use them for His honor and His glory. Amen? Amen. Conclusion, wrapping this up, Pastor Aaron, you and the guys, the team can come. When you become a Christian, you need merely receive, you don't merely receive a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit Himself. The Holy Spirit of God indwells you. And once you have the Holy Spirit living within you, He equips you for the particular assignment that God has granted you. So God knows what He's going to do in your life. He knows where He's going to use you, how He's going to use you, what He wants to do. And God has gifted you in, 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 by, for that reason, for that purpose in what He's going to do. So the Holy Spirit equips you, and, and, and the Holy Spirit equips me, yet the way He equips us can be different totally. The way He's gifted me, it's probably different than, than most everybody in here. The way he's gifted you is different from, and, and it's all a part of the spiritual gifts he's given us, the abilities he's given us, the life experiences he's given us, your personality, everything. All of those things tie into what God has done in your life and how he's going to use you. But the church needs that diversity of gifts. There's a reason there's a great diversity in those gifts because all of those gifts that he gives are needed in the body of Christ. Because it's, it's through that diversity that each one of us carrying out our unique ministry and service that the body grows and that Christ is glorified. So as we begin this journey over the next couple of weeks of looking at gifts, next week we're going to look at the body of Christ. And we're going to look at then how these gifts, God takes these gifts and he puts them within the body. And he makes up the body. When we talk about the church, folks, you understand this church, this is the body of Christ. It's a local body. This is his body. And, and every believer has a part in that body. And that's what we're going to look at next week. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This morning, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if, if, if you've never truly been born again, and you go, Pastor, I'm not even sure what that means, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'd love to sit down and take the Scriptures and just share with you again the Gospel the good news of what Jesus has done for you, what God, because of his great love, has done for you. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I invite you, as we, as we sing a song here in a moment, if you'll come down, let, let one of us take the Word of God and talk to you. We'd love to do that. Uh, maybe this morning, maybe, maybe you're just, Lord, I, I know you've gifted me. I'm a believer, but, but I haven't used the gifts the way that you want me to. I haven't employed those gifts in, in, in kingdom work. Maybe this morning would be a good time to just come talk to God and say, Lord, I just I give myself to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to submit myself to your Lordship. And, Lord, I want to do whatever it is you've called me to do. So maybe this morning. So I don't know what's on your heart. I, I'm not the Holy Spirit of God. But if the Lord's working in your heart this morning, there's something you need to deal with him about, I invite you to come. Come to this altar. Have a time of prayer. Turn those things over to the Lord and let him let him minister to your heart this morning. And if there's something we could pray with you about, we'd be glad to do that. Father God, I pray as we go into this time now of, of invitation, of just to reflect on what we've heard. Father, would you just speak to our hearts?
There could be something going on in our heart this morning that has nothing to do with what has been preached. But the Word of God has been presented. The Word of God has been preached. And I know, God, that, that you're at work in our midst. So you may be dealing with someone about something that has nothing to do with what we've talked about. Lord, help us to be, uh, Father, just humble before you and that we'd be obedient to whatever it is you're speaking to us about. Lord, if we need to come and have some prayer and or if we need to come and have prayer for someone else or we need to come pray for ourselves, we need to come, Lord, just confess some things, whatever the need may be this morning, Lord. Give us that, that obedience to step out, Father, and, uh, and to deal with whatever you're dealing with us on. Bless and move now and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.